That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Hi, everybody. Cheryl Atkinson here. Welcome to another edition of Full Measure After Hours. I hope you will think about pre-ordering my new book. We just released the cover. You can take a look at that at HarperCollins or Amazon or anywhere you like to order books. It's called Slanted, How the News Media Taught Us to Love Censorship and Hate Journalism. Today, I'm going to give you the latest update in my computer case that a lot of you have been asking about, the one where I'm suing the government over its computer intrusions that are now several years in the past but I still have an active lawsuit ongoing, the latest right after this. Do you have something to say and want to make your own podcast? Let me tell you how to do that for free with Anchor. Anchor has creation tools that let you record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. You can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's all you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. I am frequently asked about what is the latest in my ongoing case to try to hold the government agents accountable who spied on my computer back starting probably around 2011 time frame. You know probably that we have the forensic evidence from independent forensic analysts. You know that we have a deposition that uh, proves it was government IP addresses used for some of these intrusions, and the government has acknowledged that. And you probably know that CBS News announced the intrusions of my computers. That's where I was working at the time. And maybe you know that a whistleblower has stepped forward, somebody who is involved in one of the federal operations into my computers, and he has provided some information and named names, which is really the basis of my latest action to try to get justice because, believe it or not, the Department of Justice is still defending the agents responsible and trying to dismiss my case rather than holding them accountable, which is what the Department of Justice is supposed to do. So as for the latest, um, I am suing some of the names that have been provided by the whistleblower in Maryland court, where some of this action occurred at the time under a U.S. attorney at the time, Rod Rosenstein. He's named in the suit. The Department of Justice, on behalf of Rosenstein and the others, has tried to um, get a motion to dismiss. We are fighting that. They claim the statute of limitations has run. We are, of course, claiming that since we didn't have the information on these exact names, something the court has wanted in the past, almost impossible to get, but since we didn't have the exact names of the federal agents to sue, um, we're arguing the statute of limitations doesn't apply because we only recently received that information. So we will see how that goes, but I think the best way to sum it all up where we are right now, since some of you are interested, is for me to read from the brief that we filed the week of 
really this week, I guess August 3rd, the date it was filed. So here is the excerpt that sums it up in Ackeson versus Rosenstein and the others. Plaintiff Cheryl Ackeson, along with her husband and child, have tried for years to pursue their significant and credible claims of illegal government surveillance, but the U.S. government has stonewalled them at every turn. Yet despite the government's repeated efforts to obfuscate and delay, the Ackesons detailed in their complaint, and these are bullet points we provided, expert forensic computer analysis of the Ackesons' computers, revealing that an unauthorized entity or entities gained remote access to the Ackesons' computers for a prolonged period, and that one of the pathways by which the intrusions occurred were IP addresses controlled by the U.S. government. Second bullet point, we have provided confirmation via testimony that the U.S. government controlled the IP addresses identified in the Atkinson's computers. Third bullet point, the degree to which senior figures in the Department of Justice were concerned about and took steps to block Cheryl Atkinson's reporting, as well as her use of confidential government sources. And a fourth bullet point that summarizes what we have detailed Many documented instances of abnormal, otherwise unexplained behavior of the Atkinson's computer systems and devices. So this brief we filed goes on to say, Nevertheless, despite these factual allegations, the Atkinson's have been stymied in large part because the government has blocked their every effort to identify the names of the specific government agents who were directly involved in the unlawful surveillance of their computers. And the government has created so many and varied obstacles to litigation that the Atkinsons have been prevented from conducting meaningful discovery in order to identify these government agents. In other words, the government entity that is supposed to hold the responsible parties accountable is instead shielding them and controlling the information the Atkinsons need to identify them. Ultimately, this brief goes on to say, the Fourth Circuit while expressing astonishment that the government lawyers arguing the case refused to even represent the unnamed John Doe defendants, was forced to dismiss as to those defendants without prejudice to refile when those defendants could be identified. That day has now arrived. Plaintiff's investigator has interviewed Ryan White, a government whistleblower and named defendant. During this interview, White made the following significant assertions and we bullet point these. White worked with defendant Sean Bridges, who was then a Secret Service agent, and the FBI's Sean Henry in Baltimore and reported directly to defendant Rod Rosenstein. White and Agent Bridges were ordered to conduct various clandestine operations involving hacking computer systems, servers, emails, and phones. White and Agent Bridges were directly involved in the illegal surveillance of the Atkinson's computers and the exfiltration of data. The rogue order to target the Atkinsons came directly from Agent Henry and Rosenstein. Later, Agent Bridges and another federal agent were convicted of corrupt acts for their involvement in the government's notorious Silk Road Task Force, also based in Baltimore, in which corruption by federal agents was uncovered, resulting in the convictions of Agent Bridges and another federal agent. Let me divert from the brief for a moment just to say, what we're talking about here is there was a task force operating out of Baltimore um, doing some work on something called Silk Road, some work for the federal government in law enforcement. And a couple of those agents involved in 
the Silk Road enforcement, were themselves convicted of corruption for what they were doing. And it is one of those agents, then a Secret Service agent, who took part in some of the illegal surveillance against me that was conducted out of that Baltimore office. That's what we are alleging. Okay, back to the brief. This information, to be further developed during discovery, places the government's repeated stonewalling of this case in a new and more nefarious light. It now appears that the government has been using procedural obstacles and motions to deliberately obfuscate and run out the clock on this litigation despite the merits of the claims. The government's new 12B motion throwing up a laundry list of procedural objections, some bordering on the frivolous, must be viewed in this context. This memorandum addresses each of the government's objections in turn, but the bottom line is that the Atkinsons can now identify at least some of the previously unnamed federal agents. Moreover, they have obtained detailed whistleblower testimony to accompany their substantial forensic evidence to support their claims. Thus, the government must not be allowed to block the Atkinsons' claims yet again. These claims deserve full discovery and a trial in order to finally address the merits of these claims once and for all. And this motion continues on for many more pages addressing specific legal technicalities and case law that we hope will convince this Maryland judge that this case should be allowed to move forward. Um, Again, to summarize procedural history so far, the government for years has stonewalled in the case, filed many, many motions to dismiss, most most of which we survived until um, a federal court finally did throw out much of the case maybe a year, year and a half ago. Um, We were prohibited from doing any meaningful discovery because the government blocked all of it. And discovery was required to get what the court was requiring of us, which was not just the forensic evidence, which we have that shows the government intrusions, but the names of the people who did it. And we argued, but we have to have discovery to get the names. That's held by the government. That's held and known by the defendants. How can we get the names if we don't have discovery? Um, So one appeals court judge saw it our way and called it very Kafka-esque that the court was requiring us to have answers to questions we couldn't possibly know in order to move forward on our lawsuit. But the majority, two of the three judges, saw it in favor of the Department of Justice and said, we need those names to move forward. Now that we have some names, the Department of Justice is still throwing up roadblocks and saying, well, now it's too late. And that's in essence where we are. So thank you for your interest in this, and we will take a short break and talk about what's coming up on Full Measure this week and what else I'm doing this summer to prepare for Season 6, which begins the second week of September. We're back. I should mention if you're interested in more details about my lawsuit, the briefs, the oral arguments that have happened in the case, including the actual recordings from the judges and all of that, you can go to CherylAckeson.com. And if you look under the tab that says Special Investigations, the first item underneath is Atkinson versus DOJ, and that will take you to a place with all kinds of links and explanations. It will even include the refutation of the really crazy propaganda that the Smear Group, Media Matters, has put out with the help of others about the case, completely false and untrue. So that's addressed as well as just the general facts in the case if you're, if you're curious about knowing more details. Now, this summer, as you may know, the Full Measure team is off 
shooting and researching new stories for fall. I can't believe we are coming up on season six, six years of this wonderful independent reporting that I've been allowed to do um, at full measure. And our first new program will be September 13th on Sunday, just after the September 11th anniversary. And what we do is we spend the summer in reruns. I hope you'll still try to catch the program because I'll bet you missed some of these stories the first time around. But we take the summer to travel and look ahead and write and research new stories that will start in the fall. Get a heads up on that. Um, What have we done so far? Well, we wanted to go to Europe as we travel to Europe or Asia or foreign countries pretty much every summer to start working on incredible uncovered stories or undercovered stories from around the world. But because of coronavirus, of course, the Europe trip is being postponed. I hope to have some exciting stories from Europe. Maybe we will get to travel there in the fall and do a follow-up to what happened with Brexit. Didn't that news just sort of fall off the face of the earth? once uh, Great Britain actually did exit from the European Union. And a lot of their success, by the way, depends on what we do in terms of a trade deal with them. There's, there's a lot bound to be going on. We want to visit Sweden. You've maybe heard a lot of rhetoric about did they really kind of outsmart coronavirus or did they fare just as well, if not better than everybody else without shutting down? What's the truth? I don't know, but we planned to go to Sweden on the ground and find out the facts there without any sort of preconceived advanced agenda. I wanted to go back to Greece. We did one of the most really interesting stories I think we've done in the last couple of years, last season, by visiting Greece where um, the poor Greeks were being inundated with illegal immigrants floating across from Turkey with professional smugglers making these poor people pay to put on these rafts where sometimes they even drown, just overloaded, maybe 50 or more people on a draft built for a few. And they're coming in from places like Syria and Iraq and Africa and being sent over. So then the Greek Coast Guard, instead of doing their normal job, they go out every night, they pluck these people from the water and save them and send them to refugee camps, which um, it turns out, as we reported about a year ago, that camps are overflowing completely full. There's dozens of them around Greece, and the rest of Europe won't take them. So the Greeks have been forced to admit them, but then the European Union has no policy that helps uh, defray them or assimilate them. And Germany, a lot of people thought they opened their arms to these illegal immigrants, and they did originally around 2015, but then they quickly started sending them back. And so now these poor people are stuck in Greece. Greece is stuck with them And as you may know, Greece's finances are not doing so well. We wanted to go back and get an update on that because since we left, they reached what they called their breaking point in terms of numbers. And they plan to put up maybe a water barrier of some kind in the sea so that these people couldn't keep floating over every night. So these are some of the things we'll do when we can get to Europe. What have we done so far? Many other stories, including looking at... um, the impact of legal marijuana in California. We did that in Colorado a couple of years ago. I wanted to see what's going on in California. Fascinating story. Some similarities to Colorado as to what the impact has been. Much of it kind of unexpected and not all of it good in terms of the tax money they thought it would generate. And like many other states, they hoped that legalizing marijuana would pretty much cut out the illegal marijuana trade. And guess what? The opposite's happened. And I'll explain why. 
I've also interviewed some fascinating authors on books, touched on many undercover stories, started researching the whole controversy about states that have high salt, state and local taxes, they call it salt, like California and New York City, where they think that the tax reform the Trump administration put in, which benefited a lot of people, they think it harmed them because it capped the amount that uh, of local and state taxes that residents in these high state taxes can deduct. So, of course, they don't like that. The federal government has traditionally been saying, well, that's your state's problem. They tax you too much, but the states are pressing for some sort of accommodation uh, to help. We'll be looking at that controversy. I made yet another trip to the border every summer of this program so far. I've gone to the border in Arizona, Texas, or California. I've looked at the wall. I've talked to residents. I've talked to immigrants and illegal immigrants and people in law enforcement. I've talked to ranchers, not to, again, prove a point or have a preconceived notion, but to see what's really going on down there. And we will tell you in the fall what we found out this time on our border trip. So lots of great stories coming up on Full Measure this September. I hope you will continue supporting us and watching us. We're real excited that this program has been able to continue for so long without um, interference and interruption from a corporate standpoint. They've been so supportive uh, Sinclair, which lets us produce this program for local stations across the country. And one fun note, we've picked up a station in Los Angeles um, that's airing us now. That means we've suddenly really expanded our reach because we are not seen on TV and we're not seen in LA before this and are not seen in New York. Those are obviously huge markets. Um, you can always see us at fullmeasure.news online live at 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time, right there on the computer, or just tune in any time after about 11 or 12 on Sundays. This is all on Sundays. And these segments and the program will be reposted and replayed there free right there. You can also watch us on the app STIRR, S-T-I-R-R. And instructions on all of this, as well as a station list, can be found at CherylAxon.com under the Full Measure tab. It's well worth your time if you're sick of seeing the same three stories covered over and over and over again and not much of anything else, as if nothing else is going on in the world. You will see other news covered generally the old-fashioned way, like we used to cover it at CBS and CNN when I worked there. And again, I think it'll be worth your time. What's coming up this week? Again, it's a rerun, but I'll bet a lot of you missed it the first time around. Our cover story is... Basically, look at what happened when the state of Virginia proposed its biggest package of tightened gun restrictions in recent times. You may remember the governor came up with uh, this package that a lot of people have been pushing for, at least Democrats in the state of Virginia, for a long time. But there was never a lot of support for it until, I guess, most recently. And all of a sudden, this got plopped down. And what happened, virtually every county in Virginia fought back by having meetings and passing what some call Second Amendment Sanctuary City Proclamations. We went to some of the meetings. We have a lot of the video from it, and we will show you that side of the story as part of our cover story. We also have an interview with Scott Adams. You know Scott Adams from the Dilbert cartoon? I call him an author and humorist. Well, he wrote a book called Loser Think, and it's a lot of fun to hear him talk about what Loser Think is and how we can stop thinking like losers 
And then one other story we had this weekend, which I thought was really interesting because I didn't know a lot of this before we covered the story, that safe drinking water, and you've heard of high-profile cases like Flint, Michigan, but it turns out it's a problem in many U.S. cities. In some cases, it's an even bigger problem than you heard about in Flint, but it hasn't been highly reported. Well, Scott Thuman went off to Newark, New Jersey, where that's been a huge problem, and talked to various sides and kind of explains why we don't know more about this issue and what maybe we can do about it. So I hope you will check us out Sunday at Full Measure or look at fullmeasure.news for replays. By the way, I hope you will check out my other podcast, the Cheryl Ackeson Podcast. So this is Full Measure, but I also have one called the Cheryl Ackeson Podcast. And it talks about the investigation I did for Real Clear Politics that looked at this so-called independent oversight board appointed by Facebook to do sort of fact checks or to look at appeals of people who think their information or accounts have been pulled down unfairly. Well, what I found was looking at these fact checkers, I look more broadly at the issue, but then looking at the Facebook board of the 20 members, 18 of the 20, it turns out have ties to either the philanthropist activist George Soros, who comes at things from the progressive viewpoint, or groups funded by George Soros, 18 of 20 of these supposedly independent checkers. If you want to hear about that, um, again, listen to the Cheryl Axon podcast this week, and there will be details on that. That will come out, by the way, the Cheryl Axon podcast I just mentioned, that edition on Friday, August 7th, probably around 3 p.m. You can look for that. And just subscribe, and then you'll see every one of those when the time comes. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Do me a favor and subscribe to it and leave a great review and share with your friends. You can listen to this podcast and the Cheryl Atkinson podcast wherever you like to listen. And if you believe independent reporting is sort of a dying thing, I hope you will consider supporting it by ordering my new book coming out at the end of November, but available for pre-order now would make a great stocking stuffer for somebody or buy it for yourself. And it addresses a lot of the topics that are most concerning to those who watch the media today. It's called Slanted, How the News Media Taught Us to Love Censorship and Hate Journalism, available for pre-order anywhere right now. Do your own research, make up your own mind, Think for yourself.